When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chapter 3. The Usher Washes His Hands Mr. Jabez North had not his little room quite to himself at Dr. Tappenden's. There are some penalties attendant even on being a good young man, and our friend Jabez sometimes found his very virtues rather inconvenient. It happened that Alacampon Jr. was ill of a fever, sometimes delirious, and, as the usher was such an excellent young person, beloved by the pupils and trusted implicitly by the master, the sick little boy was put under his special care, and a bed was made up for him in Jabez's room. This very November night, when the usher comes upstairs, his great desk under one arm, he is very strong, this usher, and a little feeble tallow candle in his left hand, he finds the boy very ill indeed, he does not know Jabez, for he is talking of a boat race, a race that took place in the bright summer gone by. He is sitting up on the pillow, waving his little thin hand, and crying out at the top of his feeble voice, Bravo, Red! Red wins! Three cheers for Red! Go it! Go it, Red! Blues beat! I say blues beat! George Harris won the day. I've backed George Harris. I've bet six pennorth of toffee on George Harris. "'Go it, Red.' "'We're worse tonight, then,' said the usher. "'So much the better. "'We're off our head, and we're not likely to take much notice. "'So much the better.' "'And this benevolent young man began to undress. "'To undress, but not to go to bed. "'For from a small trunk he takes out a dark frock, "'a pair of leather gaiters, a black scratch wig, "'and a countryman's slouched hat.' He dresses himself in these things and sits down at a little table with his desk before him. The boy rambles on. He is out nutting in the woods with his little sister in the glorious autumn months gone by. Shake the tree, Harriet, shake the tree. They'll fall if you only shake hard enough. Look at the hazelnuts, so thick you can't count them. Shake away, Harriet, and take care of your head, for they'll come down like a shower of rain. The usher takes the coil of rope from his desk and begins to unwind it. He has another coil in his little trunk, another hidden away under the mattress of his bed. He joins the three together, and they form a rope of considerable length. He looks round the room, holds the light over the boy's face, but sees no consciousness of passing events in those bright, feverish eyes. He opens the window of his room, it is on the second story and looks out into the playground, a large space shut in from the lane in which the school stands by a wall of considerable height. About half the height of this room are some posts erected for gymnastics. They are about ten feet from the wall of the house, and the usher looks at them dubiously. He lowers the rope out of the window and attaches one end of it to an iron hook in the wall, a very convenient hook, 
and very secure, apparently, for it looks as if it had been only driven in that very day. He surveys the distance beneath him, takes another dubious look at the posts in the playground, and is about to step out of the window when a feeble voice from the little bed cries out, not in any delirious ramblings this time, "'What are you doing with that rope? "'Who are you? "'What are you doing with that rope?' "'Jabez looks round, "'and although so good a young man, "'mutters something very much resembling an oath. "'Silly boy, don't you know me? "'I'm Jabez, your old friend.' "'Ah, kind old Jabez, "'you won't send me back in Virgil "'because I've been ill, eh, Mr. North?' "'No, no. See, you want to know what I am doing with this rope. "'Why, making a swing, to be sure. "'A swing? Oh, that's capital. "'Such a jolly thick rope, too. "'When shall I be well enough to swing, I wonder? "'It's so dull up here. "'I'll try and go to sleep, but I dream such bad dreams.' "'There, there. Go to sleep,' says the usher in a soothing voice.' This time, before he goes to the window, he puts out his tallow candle. The rushlight on the hearth he extinguishes also, feels for something in his bosom, clutches this something tightly, takes a firm grasp of the rope, and gets out of the window. A curious way to make a swing. He lets himself down foot by foot with wonderful caution and wonderful courage. When he gets on a level with the posts of the gymnasium, he gives himself a sudden jerk, and swinging over against them, catches hold of the highest post, and his descent is then an easy one, for the post is notched for the purpose of climbing. He leaves the rope, still hanging from his bedroom window, scales the playground wall, and when the slopperton clocks, strike twelve, is out upon the high road. He skirts the town of Slopperton by a circuitous route, and in another half-hour is on the other side of it, bearing towards the black mill. A curious manner of making a swing, this midnight ramble. Altogether a curious ramble for this good young usher. But even good men have sometimes strange fancies, and this may be one of them. One o'clock from the Slopperton steeples, two o'clock, three o'clock, the sick little boy does not go to sleep, but wanders, oh, how wearily, through past scenes in his young life, midsummer rambles, Christmas holidays, and merry games, the pretty speeches of the little sister who died three years ago, unfinished tasks and puzzling exercises all pass through his wandering mind. And when the clock chimes the quarter after three, he is still talking, still rambling on in feeble accents, still tossing wearily on his pillow. As the clocks chime the quarter, the rope is at work again, and five minutes afterwards the usher clambers into the room. Not very good to look upon, either in costume or countenance, bad to look upon, with his clothes mud-bespattered and torn, wet to the skin, his hair, his matted locks streaming over his forehead, "'worse to look upon with his light blue eyes, "'bright with the dangerous and wicked fire, "'the eyes of a wild beast balked of his prey, "'dreadful to look upon with his hands clenched in fury 
and his tongue busy with half-suppressed but terrible imprecations. "'All for nothing,' he mutters, "'all the toil, the scheming, and the danger, for nothing, "'all the work of the brain and the hands wasted, "'nothing gained, nothing gained.' "'He hides away the rope in his trunk "'and begins to unbutton his mud-stained gaiters. "'The little boy cries out in a feeble voice for his medicine.' The usher pours a tablespoonful of the mixture into a wine glass with a steady hand and carries it to the bedside. The boy is about to take it from him when he utters a sudden cry. "'What's the matter?' asked Jabez angrily. "'Your hand! Your hand! What's that upon your hand?' A dark stain, scarcely dry. A dark stain at the sight of which the boy trembles from head to foot. "'Nothing, nothing,' answers the tutor. "'Take your medicine and go to sleep.' "'No, the boy cries hysterically. "'He won't take his medicine. "'He will never take anything again from that dreadful hand. "'I know what that horrid stain is. "'What have you been doing? "'Why did you climb out of the window with a rope? "'It wasn't to make a swing. "'It must have been for something dreadful. "'Why did you stay away three hours in the middle of the night?' I counted the hours by the church clocks. Why have you got those strange clothes on? What does it all mean? I'll ask the doctor to take me out of this room. I'll go to him this moment, for I'm afraid of you. The boy tries to get out of bed as he speaks, but the usher holds him down with one powerful hand, which he places upon the boy's mouth, at the same time keeping him from stirring and preventing him from crying out. With his free right hand, he searches among the bottles on the table by the bedside. He throws the medicine out of the glass and pours from another bottle a few spoonfuls of a dark liquid labeled opium, poison. Now, sir, take your medicine, or I'll report you to the principal tomorrow morning. The boy tries to remonstrate, but in vain. The powerful hand throws back his head and Jabez pours the liquid down his throat. For a little time the boy, quite delirious now, goes on talking of the summer rambles and the Christmas games, and then falls into a deep slumber. Then Jabez North sets to work to wash his hands. A curious young man, with curious fashions for doing things, above all, a curious fashion of washing his hands. He washes them very carefully in a small quantity of water, and when they are quite clean and the water has become a dark and ghastly color, he drinks it and doesn't make even one wry face at the horrible draft. Well, well, he mutters, if nothing is gained by tonight's work, I have at least tried my strength, and I now know what I'm made of. Very strange stuff he must have been made of, very strange and perhaps not very good stuff to be able to look at the bed on which the innocent and helpless boy lay in a deep slumber and say, at any rate, he will tell no tales. No, he will tell no tales, nor ever talk again of summer rambles or of Christmas holidays or of his dead sister's pretty words. Perhaps he will join that wept-for little sister in a better world. 
where there are no such good young men as Jabez North. That worthy gentleman goes down aghast with a white face next morning to tell Dr. Tappenden that his poor little charge is dead and that perhaps he had better break the news to all a compon major who is sick after that supper which in his boyish thoughtlessness and his certainty of his little brother's recovery he had given last night. Do, yes, by all means, break the sad news to the poor boy, for I know, North, you'll do it tenderly. Phoebe Reads a Mystery is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC.